So this morning, um, I have the honor of speaking, uh, but also I want to share with you a message that I believe that um, um, the season that, that God is bringing us in, um, because of the season that we just came out of too as well, but um, the title of my message is going to be His Presence. I want to talk about His Presence. And um, I remember growing up um, in a household with, with my grandparents. And what woke me up in the morning, besides God and her breakfast, um, the smell of grits, the smell of eggs and toast and all that delicious stuff and coffee, um, it was her play, uh, playing her worship music. And from, from the kitchen all the way to the back room, you can hear it. And you would hear her worship and you hear her singing. Um, and I love that. Um, and I love being around her because she had such this presence about her. And if you guys know my grandmother, you can ask even with my wife, um, a, a beautiful lady, beautiful woman. And the things that she endured and the things that she had to encounter growing up, um, she would always tell me if it wasn't for the grace of God. And um, when she passed away um, about eight, eight, nine years ago, um, it was devastating and it broke my heart. But the one thing I learned from her was through all her losses, through all of what she went through, she trusted in God. She trusted in God. And a part of his presence, and I, I, I talk about that because I'm going to bring it back into my message. Um, if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6 this morning. It should be on the screen too. There you go. <clears throat> so when we're talking about his presence, Isaiah chapter 6. In verse 1 it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above it stood seraphims, each one having six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered her feet, and with two he flew. One cried out, and another said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, woe is me, for I am undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts, <clears throat> then, one of the, well, then one of the seraphims flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which was taken from the altar. And he touched my lips, and he touched my mouth, and he said, Behold, and he said, Behold, this touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, 
send me. Lord, help us this morning. Just to give you a quick background of things with King Uzziah, he reigned for 50 plus years. This was a king, a, 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 a righteous king who led Israel in the presence of God or in his law. And through King Uzziah, there were many victories for the children or the people of Israel. So you had this king that everywhere he went or when, 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 when he was still alive and, and he was reigning, the children of Israel experienced victory. So just imagine the time of 50 plus years of having victory. Defeating armies, defeating the enemies that, uh, that, that approached you for 50 plus years with victory. But then all of a sudden, after those 50 plus years, he died. Could you imagine what was going on through the minds of the children of Israel at that time? They're like, Lord, the man that we, that, that, that you set as king is now gone. He's no longer here. What are we going to do? That person that you love being around, that you were able to have contact with, they're no longer here. Lord, what am I going to do? The job that I once had, the income that I was bringing in, I no longer have that. Lord, what am I going to do? I'm used to being in this location. I'm used to being comfortable in this place. Now you're telling me to move. Lord, what am I going to do now? So in the moment of despair that the children of Israel were going through and experiencing, God began to meet them. God began to show himself. And what he was showing Isaiah, now understand this, Isaiah was in the temple where God showed him this vision. So Isaiah was already in a place of worship. And what God was showing Isaiah was that how great he is and where he was. And it's very important. In it, it says this. It was two things I got from this. It says he was seated on a throne high, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. See, when God showed Isaiah that vision, the first thing he saw was his throne high and lifted up. His throne was above all other thrones, his dominion above all other dominions, that he was alive, that he was seated on the throne. That means he's in control. And what God wants you to know is that no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, no matter if that thing is not there that you trusted in or you're looking for something else, he's saying, listen, I still sit on the throne. I'm still in control. Even though the king that you trusted in is not here, I'm still alive. The prophet John said this in the book of Revelation 5, 13 and 14. 
He said, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. In verse 14, then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worship him who lives forever and ever. See the consistency from what Isaiah saw and what the prophet of John was seeing. It says in his presence, and we have to remember these people weren't physically in the presence of God at that time. They were still here on this earth. So the vision that God was showing them was not only is he still in control, but in his presence what, what, what John saw was blessing. The blessing is God bestowing himself upon you, God being present with you. That's the blessing. It's not just the material things, but it's God being present with us. It says honor, glory, and power. When John came before, or when John was in the presence of God, this is what... This was his, 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 uh, 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 this is what he, this is what came out of his mouth. It's honor, glory, and power. When we get in the presence of God and we have an encounter with God, this should be our confession. Lord, you're glorious. And everything and everything that God touches, and every place where God reigns, it becomes just that. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later, too, as well. And look at the proper response that they had, that they fell before him. The 24 elders fell before him. There's times where we have to get on our knees before God. There's times in my life I have to get on my knees before God. Yes, I, I pace back and forth and I pray, and my wife knows in the room, and I'm going throughout the house. You know, um, at work when I have my mask on, I'm praying. That's one of the good things about having a mask at work. <laughs> you know, I'm able to pray. I'm able to pray in tongues. I'm able to pray in the spirit. If you don't know what tongues is, you can, um, me and you can talk afterwards. I'm able to pray in the spirit. I'm able to pray in my natural language. But there's times where I have to get before God and say, God, I need you. During the worship service, during here, times you've got to get on your knees and say, God, I surrender my all to you. There's times where you're, where you're at home and doing the same thing. There's times where you're at work. Yes, you can't do it physically at work, but there's times where you can go in the bathroom. I work at night. And I'm able to go in the restroom, lock the door, or I'm able to go into the janitor's closet because I have the key. And I'll get in there and I'll just pray. And I get on, and I get on my knees before God and I begin to cry out. Not just for myself, but for my family. Not just for my family, but for my kids, that, uh, the kids that I work with. Not just for the kids I work with, 
for my coworkers, for my supervisors, able to cry out before God for them. See, when you're a child of God, you're not just a child of God because you carry multiple different titles, but that you are a priest unto God too as well. And a priest ushers in or, or, or goes before people or goes before God on behalf of people. See, when we're praying for people, we're walking in our priestly calling too as well to intercede for others, to get on our knees before others. There's a tangible thing, that there's a tangible this that comes with being in his presence. I love worshiping. I feel the presence of God. Friday mornings when we're in here praying and we're praying for the city and we're here praying for you guys, we're praying for the service. There's such a, a presence of God. In the mornings, you know, we're, we're meeting in the ministry room, we can feel this presence. There's nothing like being in God's presence. There's nothing like worshiping God. Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, he says, I beseech you, urge you, or I beseech you or urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service or your act of worship. When we encounter God and we begin to see his mercy for us, our proper response is to become a living sacrifice to God. We have to begin to understand God's mercies for us, not giving us what we truly deserve. God not giving me what I truly deserve, and I should have been dead on multiple occasions, and I shouldn't be here in the natural. But because of God's mercy and the mercies of God is the reason why I'm here. And he says, this is your, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Once we understand God's mercies for us. See, understand that Jesus never needed mercy, right? But he presented his body as a living sacrifice for us. What is our response to him? The one who was perfect the one who was blameless, the one who had no sin, he became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. We don't need a choir and a worship band and also music to worship God. I love those things. I love the choir. I love, you know, uh, the band. I, I, I love the music. But the worship that Paul was talking about was you becoming a, 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 a place of worship. Paul was talking about us living that lifestyle of worship. 
no matter where you go, to live that lifestyle of worship before God. And when we enter, see, Israel, like I said, was in a moment of brokenness and despair and hopelessness because of King Uzziah who had passed away, who had died. See, Jesus knew, God knew what they were going through at that point in time. And he chose to reveal himself. He didn't wait for them to go after him. He came and visited them. That he's still alive. That I still have things under control. In, in Psalms 139, 7 and 12, it says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the utmost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall, cover, shall fall on me, even in the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. Darkness and light are both alike to you. There's nowhere we can go because God is omnipresent. God is present everywhere. No matter where we're at, God is there with us. His presence is there. No matter if you're making your bed in hell or you feel like that hell of situation that you're going through, that you're stuck there because you've always been that way. All you have to do is cry out to God because he is there. Physically there, waiting for you to cry out. And God is not only omnipresent, but he is presently with us and in us. In verse 1, it says that the train of his robe filled the temple. His robe filled the temple, the train of it, the very last part, the very bottom piece of his robe filled the temple. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine putting on a robe right now in the very end of your robe, being able to fill this entire sanctuary? That's the greatness of God. That's the greatness of his presence. See, there was a woman with the issue of blood who said, if I can touch the hem of his garment in, in Matthew 9, 18 and 26, I'm not going to read that entire verse. But she said, if I touch the hem of his garment, this is a lady who was ex experiencing isolation and a bleeding in her physical body for 12 years. 12 years facing isolation, facing hopelessness and despair because she was cast out because of the law had pushed her out because of the people had pushed her out. But she says, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. And when she reached out, she touched the hem of his garment. The Bible says that, 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 that power left Jesus and that she was completely made whole. And Jesus did two things at that moment. Not only did he heal her, but now he gave her a different label. He said, daughter, your faith has healed you. See, when God, when we encounter God in his presence, we're encountering God in his presence because he wants to now label us 
as he's called us to be. Matthew 14, 35 and 36, it says many, it says many came to him that they might touch the hem of his garment. And as many touched, and as many touched him were made perfectly well. As many touched him were made perfectly well. A little bit of God is more than enough. Jesus always honored the little bit of faith. He said the mustard seed of faith can make a mountain move. It's impossible to our natural mind. The little bit of faith, the mustard seed of faith, the smallest seed of faith can make the mountain move. And in the Old Testament, the temple had to be, uh, 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 it had to be in place and everything had to be set before the God, before his presence dwelt there. Right? And in, now in the New Testament, we are the temple. Because Jesus said it is finished. So everything that we need in order to be in relationship with him is finished. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17 says this. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? And if anyone defiles that temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, whose temple you are. Say, I am. Now that we have the Spirit of God on the inside of us, we are his temple. The train of his robe, his, his glory fills us. And what that glory symbol, and what that temple and what that train of his robe symbolizes is his glory and his splendor and his majesty. Can you imagine now we have that in, on the inside of us, that we carry around the very glory, the very presence of God? His presence is on the inside of us. He's not just omnipresent or he's looking out, but he takes notice of you. He takes notice of you. He sees you because you're his. You belong to him. A preacher once said this. He said, air is the atmosphere of the earth and God's glory is the atmosphere of heaven. And one day we will all breathe in that glory. But don't you know now we can breathe in that atmosphere of heaven? We can breathe it right now. Because he's with us. He's with us. He's in us. He goes before us. We walk around in his absolute authority because of his spirit on the inside of us. We carry around that authority. And not only that, but we have his divine per perfection on the inside of us. You're perfect. I know it may seem counterintuitive because you don't feel that way, but we're not talking about feelings. We're perfect. Do we do everything correctly? Absolutely not. But when God sees us, he sees Jesus on the inside of us. So therefore, you're perfect in the eyes of Christ, in the eyes of God. You're perfect. You have his divine per perfection. You have his divine seal upon you. We have that. That's us. That should be our lifestyle. To want to be in the presence of God each and every day. To want to experience in Him. To want to experience Him in every way. The last thing I, I'm, I'm going to say before I close is this. Can we understand Isaiah's confession? After he 
came into the presence of God and after he experienced God's presence, after he said, I am undone, after, he, after, after the, uh, the angel took the coal and cleansed him and purified him, this is what God's response and this is what Isaiah's response is this. In verse 8, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, who shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. And I love the way Pastor Sharon was talking about that. It's time for us to be sent, that God's wanted, God is sending us. God is not sending us ill-equipped. We have his presence on the inside of us. We're not ill-equipped. Understand his presence healed. Freedom. I like in that verse where the door was shaken at the presence of God. And I believe that God is doing some shaking in our lives too as well. He's doing some shaking because he's, he's ready to send us to a people that needs him. To a people who are longing for him. To people who don't have him. Are you willing, are you ready to go? Are you willing to go? And it's not being go in your own strength. It's, it's going in the presence of God, in the very presence, in the power, in the majesty, in the glory of God. So there's just this prayer at the end. Um, I want to go over it, but it's going to be um, online too as well. Um, that, that I want you to, to take a hold of that, and I want you to begin to pray that over your life this week. Um, because it's, a, um, it's, it's us um, letting God know that we need him. I'm ready to be encountered by him. And the prayer is this. It says, Lord, we thank you today that you are all powerful, <clears throat> all knowing, and always perfectly good. Thank you for your daily mercies to us as we struggle through such challenging times. Father, we confess that, that we do not seek your presence as we ought. We confess that we have settled for lesser things when we know your desire to us is to have a personal, close relationship with you. Lord, revive our love for you. Draw close. Let us know your presence in our lives and help us to be in turn and help us in turn share your love with our neighbors. Lord, we put our hope in your unfailing love. In Jesus' name, amen.